0: Hello and welcome to ADHD Avenue's podcast where everything goes and goes and goes. I'm Marcus Manning, and I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor.
1: And I'm Jackie Morrison, a licensed marriage and family therapist.
0: And here on ADHD Avenue, you're home. So, check this out. This podcast is separate from our work as therapists in session, and this information is not intended as therapeutic or medical advice in any way. It is really purely informational and entertaining. Please consult with a mental health professional if you have any questions or concerns. All right, here we go. Here we go. So, what's the topic for today? Jackie, what are we What are we talking about for today?
1: We are talking about anxiety, depression, trauma, substance use, really mm. fun, exciting, happy things and Mm -hmm. how they interact with ADHD. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Said fun and exciting.
1: Fun and exciting.
0: Okay.
1: We might not be able to cover all of them in depth. We can always come back. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, ADHD rarely shows up alone. Like when I am working with clients, I'm rarely actually working on the ADHD symptoms. I certainly do that. But a lot of times what I find myself actually working on with them is the resulting anxiety or the resulting depression or trauma um, that is really just a weight on top of all of the ADHD experiences when there's also anxiety and there's also depression, hanging on, weighting you down. Mm -hmm. That's often what I'm trying to trying to shift before I can even get to, okay, let's look at a strategy for, for time, or let's look at a strategy for, um, I can't think of a single other
0: uh, ADHD <laughs> trait.
2: <laughs>
0: so so wait, wait, are, are, you, are you saying that when people come to you, whether it's, I don't know, friends, family, whoever, uh, that are they coming to you with varying levels of, of, of anxiety And you later find that that anxiety is connected to ADHD in some way or ADD in some way? Or or will you clarify just a little bit there?
1: Yeah. Well, I was talking about with clients. Okay. Okay. Specifically. But a lot of times I'll have clients come in Mm -hmm. and say, you know, oh, I have ADHD or I think I have ADHD. Um, And I think they come in expecting me to be like, okay, here's a strategy for organizing your work schedule and here's a strategy for Mm -hmm. being on time or not forgetting things and once we get into you know actually what their symptoms are what's bringing them in the thing that's bringing them in is usually that they're really anxious or that they are depressed Mm -hmm. or that um they're not sleeping or that they're not able to maintain friendships And so then what we end up looking at is, oh, this is anxiety. It's co-occurring with the ADHD, and so it's related to the ADHD. But what we're actually treating is the anxiety. And the way that we do that is also treating the ADHD or coming up with um, more self-compassion for yourself so that that's not a weight either. And sometimes it is just finding a simple solution, but... Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, we're actually talking about so many other things, not, not ADHD. And I think what helps being somebody with a, a lot of knowledge on ADHD is that I can use language that then helps them better understand why their brain's doing that. Why is it going into this anxiety spiral? What's one possible reason, or what's one possible reason that this depression wave has hit and I can use ADHD-related language, and I can use what I know about the brain and the brain structures to help explain it in terms that they can then connect to themselves. Um, but what I'm ultimately doing is treating the anxiety.
0: So, yeah. so oftentimes when, when people come in... Um, what are some of the ways, or maybe even one of the two ways, and maybe you just said it and I missed it, I don't know, Jackie, but maybe, maybe, um, what are some of the ways that the anxiety manifests itself uh, in people that you're able to work together with them on? What's, what's an example of something someone is experiencing?
1: A lot of, that's a great question. A lot of what I see is anxiety or fear around not being accepted or other people not understanding or disappointing somebody, letting someone down. I also tend to see a lot of um, very perfectionistic situations Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, I've learned that I need to do everything perfect. And so it's a lot of deconstructing of that. But it's also like, I don't know how to make friends or maintain friends. Um, I'm afraid to talk at social gatherings cause I'm afraid I'll never stop talking. Um, so I just don't say anything at all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, um, kind of things in that, mm-hmm. in that realm.
0: I think sometimes, um, with some of the people that I, I, I get to work with, yeah, it shows up in a, in a variety of, of ways. Sometimes it's, it's really sort of these high degrees of need to control certain mm, cir- yeah. circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, excessive worry, And, um, I think a lot of, 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 again, just the, uh, um, yeah, kind of the need to, well, the difficulty with tolerating kind of uncertainty. And so there's a lot of these, uh, what we call, I think, safety behaviors in Mm -hmm. some cases to create a very curated control environment Mm -hmm. so that they don't have to experience, you know, this, this feeling of anxiety. So, um, uh, I think a lot of, a lot, and a lot of those things are connected to, um, ADHD but mm-hmm. people don't recognize the relationship between the two. And so yes. that's obviously what we'll talk more about today. But yep. um, So, so yeah, that's that, that's kind of some of my experience with it. So when you think about, um, how about, so there's the anxiety component, but then we know that, that ADHD doesn't travel alone, and you mentioned that mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other things that you have noticed with some of the people that you get to work with, such as depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. et cetera, that pop up?
1: Yeah, depression... Um depression shows up quite a bit and sometimes it's sometimes it's depression, it's death by a thousand cuts mm. you are told over and over and over and over again, stop talking, sit down, stop wiggling. You didn't read that whole question and you answered it wrong over and over and over and eventually it gets to the point where it's just like, Well why Why would I even try? Or uh, clearly the problem is with me because I'm doing my best. I'm not doing anything purposefully. I'm not trying to annoy other people. I'm really fidgety and I can't stop moving. I'm not trying to be disruptive. And so you internalize it as I'm the problem, just me Mm -hmm. as a whole person. Mm -hmm. I am the problem Mm -hmm. and clearly I can't do anything right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I see that a lot in almost everybody in a small amount for some people that's a huge part of their experience and for mm-hmm. some people it's a lot smaller and then it kind of leads into anxiety of like okay well then i have to be perfect cuz mm-hmm. i have to show everyone that i'm i'm worthy and mm-hmm. um but also sometimes depression and i don't know if you see this too but sometimes depression can actually look um or let me say that differently sometimes under stimulation can look like depression
0: so ah, if yeah. you say say more about that i'm I'm envisioning it and I can see it, but yeah, help me see it even clearer
1: if you are in a really under stimulating job mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's boring, you're not using your you know your full brain mm-hmm. your your not moving throughout the day, that can then lead to what looks like depression where there's not much motivation. There's, um, there's a lot of fatigue or tiredness, or there can even be a sense of hopelessness. Like, what am I even doing? Why am I doing this? And it could be be true depression but it could also just be i'm not in a stimulating enough environment and if you're able to be in an environment that matches what your brain needs mm-hmm. then your brain is sort of firing on all cylinders it's hanging out in its happy zone of activity because adhd brains are so busy that to be at a job that doesn't engage your brain and keep it moving is just sluggish mm, mm-hmm, and so like you know sometimes it can be true depression but sometimes not
0: yeah yeah okay okay so so when when thinking about and we when when we make the when we make the connection i guess between um or the or the relationship between adhd and and anxiety or adhd and and depression um you know i i think what, what I find to be so fantastic and so amazing to me, and I don't even really use the word amazing, but it's just when, when we're able to work together with people and help them create that connection or linkage between mm-hmm. the ADHD and the anxiety. Because kind of just like what you were saying, I think um, there's this sort of negative identity conclusion that people have come up with or come come to based on this, this sort of um, accumulation of experiences that they've had over the course of their lifetime. And then there's also this, I think, feeling that they're doomed to, to, to experience anxiety uh, throughout their life. And, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, people are going to have anxiety around different things. But I think that's one of the things that as we talk about this from the ADHD perspective, I think we can help to find ways of reducing that anxiety mm-hmm. around some of the worries and fears, et cetera, that come from how is my ADHD going to impact me today, who's going to find out that I have ADHD, or et cetera. So I think right. some of, um, uh, as we continue on with this conversation, I think we could help people sort of create and
2: mm-hmm.
0: separate, um, you know, the anxiety that's maybe due to other experiences we've had in life and living and what's connected to, to the ADHD or yep. ADD. Yep. Yeah,
1: and I think it's important to note, too, that like a, the purpose of therapy mm-hmm isn't to make you feel better it is to give you the the tools to be able to manage your emotions manage your emotional responses in appropriate ways in effective ways and recognize when your emotions are out of context when are they related to um something you've gone down an anxiety rabbit hole Mm -hmm. in before Mm -hmm and actually in context this anxiety is huge compared to what's actually going on and when is it appropriate when is your anxiety really appropriate totally makes sense totally fits the context but also you still need to be able to move forward and manage that emotion yeah you know i think a lot of people come into therapy thinking like oh this is going to make me feel so much better and like of course that's the ultimate goal mm-hmm. we want you to be feeling better mm-hmm but our job isn't to our job isn't to make you feel better at the expense of teaching you how to help yourself feel better. You know, like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. our job is to challenge and our job is to point out sometimes really hard truths and also point out where the way you're thinking about yourself or others or a situation is actually along the lines of, um, a problem or assumptions that aren't necessarily true and like okay but what if we thought about it this other way Mm -hmm. what if they what if they weren't mad at you you don't know that they're mad at you what if they Mm -hmm. weren't mad at you Mm -hmm. how would that change how you're feeling Mm -hmm. um i don't know how i got down that little path but
0: (laughs) adhd yep 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 Yep. maybe, maybe yep yeah Okay. Okay. So, so when we're when we're we're thinking about anxiety and and how it shows up and its relationship to um, um, ADD or ADHD, and I, I'm not remembering if they changed it now to just ADD. ADHD. It's ADHD. Okay, mm-hmm. I always forget. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you, as we think about anxiety and um, how it shows up. Do you think it would be useful um, or what, what? what's perhaps one way that you in session with your clients um, or even if it's with friends, what's uh, something that you would suggest for someone that is experiencing higher levels of anxiety that are due to, I don't know, some worry or fear that they have about um, something connected to whether it's performance or whatever it is that is generally impacted by their ADHD. So, for example, let me clarify that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe somebody is, well, let's keep it simple. Maybe somebody is um, giving a presentation and they're, they've got a lot of anxiety around it. Now we know public speaking being one of the primary fears that people have. Mm-hmm. But also, just for them, um, a part of it is their fear that they're going to forget you know, what they need to say, and that being more related in their instance to the ADHD, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the way anxiety can sometimes have an impact on memory and make us forget. What would be a way that you might, if this makes sense, that you might help that person to experience or reduce their anxiety in that scenario where they have a public speech that they're giving? Does that feel like an answerable question? I said way too much.
1: (laughs) that it there's so much that would depend on mm-hmm. you know, okay, is this something that's coming up immediately? Is this just a general thing you're coming in with like, hey, this is a problem I keep having um, Or is it like, well next month I have to do this big speech because mm-hmm. I don't work great under time constraint. I tend to be a more of a long form therapy and like, okay, let's uncover why. I just, I mean, I ask why so many times. Mm -hmm. We just go under and under and under and under. Mm -hmm. So I would probably be looking at that, and I'm really curious to hear what you would say. I'd be probably looking at that type of a situation from like a, almost a a trauma perspective in Mm -hmm. that, not in the sense that this person had a traumatic um, experience public speaking, which Mm -hmm. maybe they did, and then we can go down that path, Mm -hmm. but almost Mm -hmm. from this, this path of like, it's kind of these little traumas that build on when it doesn't go well when you forget something and then you kind of prove quote unquote to yourself that you can't remember see well it happened this other time Mm. and i didn't remember then and then it happens again and it happens again and so it's all these kind of little traumas of Mm -hmm. oh that went really badly or ooh, i really screwed that up Mm -hmm. so i probably do kind of a combo of like well let's reframe and let's look at Let's look at the story you're telling yourself, the narrative you're telling yourself about how horrible it went. Did it actually go that bad? Maybe the answer is yes, but maybe the answer is no. Maybe you were being a really hard critic. Um, But then also I would look more at the, like, look at all this baggage you're carrying. Every time you need to speak in front of people, all of the stuff is compounding. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't just become like, ooh, I'm kind of nervous about speaking, or like, ah hope i don't forget what i'm gonna say
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, i'm feeling like mm-hmm. a little bit anxiety about that you're now piling on years worth of weight in terms of anxiety it's like oh get the 50 pound weight out now you have to give your speech with all this that's not gonna work mm, so yeah, we need to actually yeah. look at that weight before we can even get to here's a strategy for you to use next mm, month
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah but sometimes i'll use like i've I'm trained in level one of brain spotting, which is a trauma um, therapy that we can, of course, go into more detail mm-hmm, with later, mm-hmm. but I'll sometimes use that because that's pretty good for um, just little moments like that. Okay. Um, and that just kind of helps to shift that that fear or that memory or those memories mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. into your brain where they need to be rather mm-hmm. than, they're always just hanging out waiting for a moment where you might be public speaking and then they all set off, you know, your fight or flight response and suddenly you're like, oh, I can't do this. There's no way I can get this done. Like if we can get all, again, all that weight into where it needs to be, I like, guess those can go in your memory, but they don't need to be out all the time. That's kind of the approach yeah, yeah. I would take. What? But I'm so yeah, curious I mean, about you and also... I'm explaining brain spotting for the listeners not to you because you have much more brain spotting experience than me but um i'm really curious to hear your answer because i think we practice often differently i'm sure we do a lot of things very similarly sure but yeah some of the things that you'll bring up of a strategy you used or something i'm like oh i don't know if i've gotten to a point with somebody where i've needed to use a strategy like that so then i'm I'm always curious, like, mm-hmm. oh, you must be showing up differently or working on mm-hmm. different things than with the same case I would go a totally different way.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm liking what you're saying, though, because like Thanks. it's it's kind of uh, at the you're getting down to the root sort of cause of, of perhaps some of what might be creating that anxiety, mm-hmm. which is, again, some of these older sort of um, um, beliefs that might be operating that are really helping to, if I heard you right, that are really helping to, um, um, well, sort of make the, 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 the feeling or whatever it is that they're dealing with, make the anxiety worse. And so if you're dealing with sort of some of those core beliefs and whatnot, mm-hmm. I think then the anxiety that might be significantly lessened if you've dealt with that belief if i if i if i heard
2: mm-hmm, you mm-hmm,
0: right mm-hmm. i don't know if it's a belief it's a thought it's a right. s- sensation or whatever right. um so when you mention the story that you're telling yourself and yeah. so i think that that's that, that's good and I, I i do that with people and then when i'm also thinking about that same person that may be um getting ready to give the speech I also, again, want to find out from them, um, you know, what is it that they're they're pulling from? Is there a certain, as you said, is there a certain mm-hmm. experience that they're pulling from? But then also, in that moment, you know, what is it that's happening for them? So are they, are they replaying themselves failing at this event and then that story just keeps going, you follow what I mean? Yep. Or what's happening inside of the brain? But then also with that, I want to invite them into using some of the breath work that we sometimes will do. Yes. People sometimes yes. will hate to do breath work yep. but one of the things is that it's it's an extremely effective way of down regulating that, that central nervous system so
2: yes.
0: if we've dealt again with like, like what you said with that core belief and that sort of negative identity conclusion that maybe they've drawn based yep. on those experiences and then the day is coming up where they have this mm-hmm. event and there's still this higher level of anxiety well that's when there's that sort of behavioral component that comes in which is again doing sort of maybe the three, four, five breath, which is, you know, three breaths in, hold it for four, and then five out, and really what they're doing there, you know, people don't love the breath, but they, what, there's a, there's a, again, a, a, what is it, a neurobiological or whatever, response, Mm -hmm, whatever, mm -hmm. so if the back of the brain, which is that, that, that amygdala region of the brain, which is where that, that emotion center, where all of the feelings are coming from, the worry, et Mm -hmm. et cetera, is back there, but if we can take the breaths... We then can bring ourselves back up. And you can't see me, but I'm moving my hand from the back of our brain, which is where that amygdala is, is, is filled, and it's up here in the frontal cortical region of the brain, uh, which is the prefrontal, cortical, or prefrontal cortex, which is, again, where, oh, okay.
1: We're making decisions, we're... I
0: do know what I'm doing. Right. I have been through this before. I have had successes. I can do this as well. Right. You
1: can't so, even access that part of the brain. Right. When you're in fight or flight, when you're right. you know, when right. your nervous system is right all over the place, right. And that's right. where we want to be,
0: right. So I would have people perhaps remember to, to do their breath work. Mm-hmm. And also I might have people, sometimes there's a mantra that I might invite people to mm-hmm. think about saying mm-hmm. before they go do, go do the, the, uh, the experience. So there's a range of things depending on the person that I'll have them do before they go do it, which doesn't mean that the anxiety will be completely eliminated, right. but if I can be at an anxiety level of two or three versus 10, that makes a difference in the experience that I have,
1: Yes. again,
0: um, in that situation. So, yeah, there's, there's some more skillsy-based things that I sometimes will do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both pieces are really important to, again, get down to that core part that you're talking yes. about, which is where this anxiety is coming from. Yeah. But then also, in the moment, the behavior that I can use to mm-hmm. sort of change my experience with anxiety mm-hmm. in that situation. Right.
1: And it can even be helpful to, to remind yourself, like, okay, I'm going to take deep breaths, or I need to take some deep breaths. It's not because I don't know how to breathe. It's not because I'm mm-hmm. not breathing. It is because if you can take a deep breath, you are helping to signal to your nervous system, mm-hmm. there is not a threat. I am safe. I am secure. I can take a deep breath and fill my lungs, fill my diaphragm. Because I'm not sprinting away from something. I'm not hyperventilating. Like, I can fill my lungs. Therefore, I am safe. I am secure. That's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, a little oversimplified, obviously. But but reminding yourself, taking breaths that are really intentional is, is really important and it really works. Rather than, oh, just take a deep breath. I mean... No one wants to hear that when you're upset. Yeah. Take a deep breath.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't want to take a deep breath. Yeah. But if you can remind yourself this is why I'm doing it, hmm And also come back to like this is in part because of my ADHD. This is in part because of this is this is how my brain is structured. Mm-hmm. This has happened to me before. This is really stressful. This is scary. I feel really anxious about this. None of this means I can't do it. None of it means that I am doomed to fail. None of it means that I am a bad person or that I am stupid. It means that my brain is organized in such a way and my experiences have happened in such a way that this is the response I'm having. My feelings are real, but the context is not.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love it. There's so much. There's so much value in being able to say that because as we know, as people who've experienced or live with ADHD and have had some of those experiences, it's so easy to go down that, that sort of darker path of, of how awful and how bad you know, we are as people because I'm having this reaction to this situation that's coming up. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot of value in what you said and uh, an awareness that we get to have. You know, and that's, that's also another one of the things that, that I don't think we've mentioned a whole bunch about. It was just this idea of this experience of being aware, um, you know, aware of, 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 you know, when the anxiety is heightened, that, that, oh, there may be a relationship between my anxiety and my ADHD, let me get curious about what that relationship is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and and that that continued curiosity, again, really gives us a chance to sometimes distinguish between what is just, um, I don't know if I call it just authentic anxiety and what is attached to my ADHD. And in that situation, I really feel there's an empowering component that gives us some chance to have some sense of control over what's happening.
1: Yes. And as you're saying that, I'm also thinking about, you know, as you come back to like, is this, is this ADHD related? Is this coming from ADHD? Also remembering that the ADHD brain is super busy, super Mm. active. It wants to be going all the time. Mm -hmm. And anxiety is kind of infinite. Like, you can go and go and go and go and go down a million rabbit holes of anxiety and get deep into that anxiety. Whereas if the anxiety isn't there, or you don't let yourself go down that path, you have a thought, and then it's done. The thought's done. Like Your brain isn't then continuing to engage with it, which it wants to do because it wants to be busy. So if you can also kind of recognize, like, oh, is this ADHD? Is this my brain wanting to be busy? Mm-hmm. Or is this an actual, you know, true anxiety that I need to really focus on and problem solve or figure out or just get through and breathe or get through and, you know, however you're going to do that. Is it, is it that or is it just that my brain wants to be active? Because then it's a lot easier to recognize when yeah. this is getting out of hand or now you're just stuck in a rabbit hole. And then maybe you ask for help getting out or maybe you, you know, distract yourself doing something else just to get out of that rabbit hole.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That reminds me of, uh, no, again... We haven't talked anything about medication and some of the different Mm -hmm. uh, flavors of medications that a person with ADHD uh, takes. But as you were saying that, that had me thinking about, you know, and and, and again, this isn't a a plug for medication. I'm, I'm, you know, so, but I just wanted to say quickly that sometimes when you have, um, when you are unmedicated, um, what happens inside of the brain or it can feel like is happening inside of the brain is like if you, envisioned as I maybe said in our last podcast you envision kind of this this four-way stop this um, four-way intersection where there is no stop sign uh, and it's just these thoughts just coming through just all just, just tons and tons of thoughts just coming through. And let's say with all of those thoughts, there's a little piece of anxiety attached to each of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so if you have like a million thoughts and a little piece of anxiety attached to them, well that's this massive feeling of of, of anxiety that's gonna come over. And one of the things that, again, this is not a plug for medication, it's just an understanding of how the medication affected my brain when Mm -hmm. I used it, as well as a lot of the other people that I talked to, is that when you take the medication, the medication is actually like a traffic cop at, at that four-way mm-hmm. intersection, and it's kind of like if you envision, all right, one thought at a time. Yeah. Yep, yep, okay, yep, come, come <laughs> on through, yeah. keep coming, and then, and then boom, puts the hand out, and then lets another thought at a time, or another thought come through from this direction, and yes, there may be anxiety attached to the thought, mm-hmm. but remember, it's just one thought as opposed to a million. And right. so one of the things sometimes I hear from people when they're taking their medication And this, again, not a plug for medication, just an understanding and an acknowledgement of how sometimes it can affect people's brains and their experience. And so if there's only one thought at a time with a little piece of anxiety to it, again, the overall level of anxiety is decreased in many instances. Now, again, there's other ways of of building in that traffic cop. It's not just through medication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's just one way. But just wanted to say... Sort of share that experience with talking with people about ways of, of, of decreasing some yes. of the anxiety. If I said that in a way that makes any sense at all.
1: No, I love that visualization. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, again, what the medication also, in theory, does is it helps your brain function in ways like remembering things in a more effective way or not being constantly on the go. So that then maybe in the future, there isn't a little piece of anxiety that comes along with, oh, I hope I'm on time to this appointment because now also taking the medication or whatever other structures you have built in, whether it's medication or not, to help you be on time. Now that's happened enough times that there isn't the anxiety attached to an appointment time. You just feel confident that you will be there on time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
0: Um, so other things, um, you know, just as we're thinking about anxiety, um, you know, when we when we think about the relationship between, as we know, like we mentioned, that ADHD doesn't travel alone. ADHD can travel with anxiety. It can travel with OCD. It can travel with um, um, depression. Um, what's the? Can you say maybe about how that? looks when depression shows up. So oftentimes when I get to work with people, people will have a situation, I'll be very general here, but people will have a situation and that situation will create anxiety. So let's just say, I don't know, there was um a task or something they were needing to complete whatever it was uh, let's say it was home okay so let's say it's a, a person who identifies as a husband and is, is, is married and uh, has a series of things that need to be done at home and anxiety showed up uh, because for whatever reason this sort of pattern of procrastination a pattern of avoidance showed up and didn't get any of the things done partner comes home notices that nothing got done mm-hmm. and then as our ADHD person recognizes that oh oh my god okay my partner's gonna notice that I didn't do anything mm-hmm. and there's the anxiety that shows up there and then there's that other part of that internal critic that then comes in and shows up and really begins to bash and beat you up which then you begin to feel this significant sense of I don't do anything Yep. I can't do anything matter of fact I have this whole experience of where I didn't do anything and then they move into this state of depression So there was the anxiety, there was the event, the anxiety, and then the depression. Yep.
2: Um,
0: Do you have that experience with some of the people that you work with or what would you say about
1: that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. But I'm I'm really curious how you, what do you do? Um, How do you see that?
0: Yeah. In in that circumstance, um, I, I, so like if that person came to me, um, I I sort of come at it, I think, from a values-based perspective. Mm, Yeah. So, I'm going to go back in terms of like if this person had these tasks that they needed to complete, and um, they knew that they needed to complete them, but they also knew that ugh, there was a significant amount of mental effort and energy that it was going to take to be able to complete this task, and so they wanted to avoid it, which is what happens. Um, I like to invite in, it doesn't always work, but I like to invite in the value. Mm -hmm. What is a value that you can connect with that will allow you to lean into this task and complete this task um, in the situation where you knew that you had something that you needed to do? So, let's say that I don't know. This is hypothetical, but let's say that 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 person was valuing um, being a contributor in the relationship. Mm -hmm. That person valued connection in the relationship, and so. when the person is thinking about these tasks that need to be completed, when they want to live their life in accordance to what they value, if they can recognize that I value being a contributing partner in this relationship and that I value connection with my partner, in some cases, now there's more that has to go with it than that. Sure. But in some cases, envisioning myself being that, envisioning my partner feeling excited and feeling cared for and loved and valued because I did the things that... I, that I said I was going to do, sometimes that values-based action, which comes from acceptance and commitment therapy is where I'm I'm borrowing that Mm, from, but sometimes that value, and then also in that situation, I'd also have the person maybe pair whatever the thing that they're going to do with something that they enjoy so whether they pair it with music or they pair it with a reward they pair it with something that is going to be more encouraging to get the thing so now you have this paired component you have the value-based component and then you perhaps might increase the chances of that person completing at least more most or all of the tasks that was needed to be completed is one way that i I might approach that and hopefully that made sense the way that i laid that out
1: yeah no that made complete sense that and I think that gets at um, you know the motivation that's key with ADHD if if there's no motivation or if there's no understanding Mm -hmm. um, of why it matters or you're even if you can sort of intellectually understand but if there's no personal connection to and this is really important that makes Mm -hmm. it almost impossible Mm -hmm. to get done Um, Whereas if you're able to, you know, if you're able to, to really connect it to yourself and make it important to you, Mm -hmm. even if that thing that your partner asked you to do is not important to you, Mm -hmm. if your partner is important to you, if your relationship with your partner is important to you, that can help make that thing Mm -hmm. important enough to you to then prioritize again and again, there's so many other factors too, but
0: yeah as you as you say that I think the, that that has me thinking that that also if we don't complete the task, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have to mean that well, my partner's not important to me if oh if i if I don't complete it, yes. it just means that there's Other barriers, again, that are getting in the way of you completing that task. And those are things that we get to be curious about and do some investigations on (laughs) to figure out, well, what is it that will get us to take that committed action Mm -hmm. to complete the step? Sometimes it might be that, you know what, this is just something that I'm not going to be able to do. I'm going to have to hire it out. I'm going to have to gather help. I'm going to have to, et cetera. But those are um, um, things that over the course of time, as you change your relationship with anxiety or deepen your relationship and understand, I'm sorry, well, actually ADHD, yeah. as you increase your understanding of how ADHD shows up in your life, you really get to learn what are the things openly and honestly that I can do? What are the things I'm going to need help with? And what are the things that I'm going to have to outsource, as we used to call it? Yes. And sometimes there can be shame around needing to, to outsource something that, but damn, this seems so simple, like I should just be able to just do it. But the reality is that, nope, there's other things that I do, and I want to acknowledge those. I have a, a jar over here that I oftentimes will use with people, and this is perhaps the jar that's filled with things that I can do, and I can do them very well. And then there's a jar, perhaps, that are things that are more difficult for us to do, but we want to have both. Because if we just have the jar with all the stuff I can't do, that's where the pain comes from. Yep. And so. um, And
1: everyone has both. Yeah. Everyone has both. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes the most salient is the jar of the things you can't or Mm -hmm. really struggle with. Mm -hmm. Or that's what other people point out. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody else's expectations of you always seem to be things that fall into that jar, Mm -hmm. that's not helpful. Like, then maybe that relationship isn't the right relationship for you, whether it's a romantic partner, whether it's a friendship, what, whether it's an employer or a coworker, whatever relationship you're talking about. If the only things that they expect of you or need from you are things that are in your, I can't do this, or I have a really hard time with this jar, like, it's, that's not going to work. Either they need to change their expectations of you, which a lot of times is the case, Mm -hmm. or the relationship needs to significantly change or maybe it ends. But I think a lot of times we get so stuck in that in that jar Mm -hmm. that then it can envelop you completely with. Mm -hmm. And then again, I think that goes right to depression. Mm -hmm. Mm Mhm. When, in fact, there is another jar. I don't I don't know about you, but with depression, a lot of times I do a lot of self-compassion work, a lot of recognizing. Yes. What do you actually appreciate about yourself, love about yourself, delight in about yourself? Mm-hmm. What is that jar? What are the things you're really great at? What are the things you really enjoy doing? Let's fill that jar up and then... I think a lot of the work is, can you recognize that both of these are present? Mm -hmm. It's not one or the other. And they are not, it's not a good jar and a bad jar. There are just two jars jars of things that you really struggle with and that you do really well with. That's not good or bad. Mm -hmm. Everybody has Mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. both exist.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when you mentioned the, the, the self-compassion piece and, and I think, um, and, and this is, so, so these are these are all connected, I think, because as you have more compassion for yourself, as you have more understanding of yourself, as you can look at both jars that, that exist, I think that um, um, the anxiety that's there can be decreased because sometimes if your partner, like you said, if your partner is asking you to do things that are, only from this jar over here. Well, there's going to be a lot of anxiety that's going to come around that. But let's mm-hmm. say that you said, "Well, um, to your partner, that I, I don't know how well that's going to work for me. But what if, and not that you can always do this, but what if I was able to do something that was over here, you yeah. know, in this jar? I can, I can, I can do this. Well." then again there's a decrease or reduction perhaps that can happen in anxiety now there's some conversation and communication yes. that has to happen yeah. Now, obviously yeah but when we're thinking about the reduction of anxiety and the relationship between adhd and anxiety i think that self compassion piece that awareness mm-hmm. that um self-love self-care in not self-care like a, go take care of yourself and take a bath and stuff that stuff too but sure, not sure. that but I think that that also can play a significant role in yes. the overall reduction of of anxiety that we experience in a range of of experiences in in, in life. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think also being able to to recognize like there are some things that, especially with stuff around the house, going back to your example, mm-hmm. that you no one wants to do. Like, you, probably. Well, I, who knows? But mm-hmm. probably nobody wants to do laundry. I mean, I certainly don't. But it has to get done. The dishes have to be washed. The house needs to be vacuumed or swept. Like, all this stuff. It has to be done. You don't want to do it. Your partner doesn't want to do it. No one wants to do it. It has to get done. So if you can both together think about the household or the chores or whatever as the thing you're both up against, rather than, well, I'm feeling... I'm feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. So I need you to do all this stuff while I am having a really hard time with it because of this, or this, or this, or this, or this isn't in my strengths. And so I'm not going to do that. But you're, you're both burnt out. You're both overwhelmed. There's so much to do to maintain a house, a family, even just one single individual person. There is so hmm. much to do. hmm And so if you can shift out of the mindset that it's me against you and like, okay, it is us trying to figure out how to get this stuff done. Neither of us want to do it. And we both recognize it has to be done. And we both want what's best for ourselves and for each other. I don't want my partner doing all of the housework, all of the childcare, all of the um, food related Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because I want to be involved in our life together too. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that means I don't have to do any of the stuff I don't want to do. But then I don't get to be involved in my kids' lives as much. I don't get to be involved in my partner's life as much. Right. Yeah, I'm sitting over here relaxing. But now we're not figuring out together. We're not having those moments together. So if you can try to shift that mindset to, like, mm, it's not me against you. It's us together. So mm-hmm. laundry is really hard for me because I have to remember to put the clothes in. And then I have to remember to change them after an hour and then I need to remember to take them out of the dryer and then I need to fold them. It is a multi-step situation. And maybe for somebody with ADHD, that's going to be really, really hard for you. Mm -hmm, Maybe not, mm -hmm, but maybe mm -hmm. that's the thing that you're like, I can help with laundry, but I need really clear direction because it's something I, I really struggle with.
0: When you're thinking about, so in that situation, so, um, and as it relates to what we started out talking about and anxiety and whatnot, is that, would you say that that in someone's household, that that knowing that there's this expectation of them to perhaps do the laundry, mm-hmm. that there could be a significant amount of anxiety built up around that because of the number of steps that it takes and yeah. the chances or areas where they, they might go wrong. Fail exactly at the experience and then all of the anxiety that builds up around that and then... Right. Um, And then the interesting thing about that is, how does that anxiety show up? Does that anxiety show up as irritability? Does it show up as avoidance? Does it show up as, I don't know, something that then creates more relational conflict? Yep. Okay. okay. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And there are plenty of things around the house that you could do instead of laundry. Maybe (laughs) you're really honest and it's Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, laundry's Mm -hmm. not going to be something where I can succeed very often Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: again that's not to say i can't do it but i do need more direction um, or i'm going to need a lot more support Mm -hmm. probably from you partner and if the partner's trying to get away from that that Mm -hmm. maybe that's not the thing that they do that maybe that's not the adhd partner's job Mm -hmm. but maybe cooking is something that they're really great at managing because there are A lot of steps happening all at once and so they can engage their really busy brain and cook and so it's like okay i'll do i'll do the cooking you do the laundry and then we ask for help you can ask me for help and i will tag in Mm -hmm. i will of course help fold clothes if you say hey can you go change from the washer to the dryer really quick yes i can go do that Mm -hmm. but it's not my area whereas cooking yeah if i need help cutting something up, or if I need you to thaw the whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. during the day so it's ready to cook tonight, yeah, I can ask for help, but I can handle this. Or, you know, whatever else you figure out, it's that balance between, no, it's not an excuse that you can't do things, but can you both take into consideration both of your strengths so that you can address how to get stuff done (laughs) in appropriate ways that don't continue to produce more and more anxiety, which can lead to more and more procrastination or avoidance. Like what if you actually work together on it rather and recognize like, this is too much for just two people to do. So we're going to have to cut stuff out. We're going to have to hire help. Like, no, this is not designed. The system isn't designed for two people to do. And... Again, take it as a team rather than, you're not helping in these ways. Well, you're not helping in these ways. Yeah. That's not helpful for anyone. And it just then boosts anxiety even more. Are they ever going to help? Are they ever going to meet my mm-hmm. expectations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I ever going to meet their expectations? Mm-hmm.
0: Which, uh, as you're saying that, that brings me to uh, the, you know, the patterns of avoidance and, and uh, um, uh, procrastination and that being one of if we could say the cardinal traits or whatnot of of adhd and and the 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 way in which procrastination contributes to higher levels of anxiety i i I just did that um uh that brief short whatever yesterday where um um i was mentioning kind of this this noticing this this feeling in my in my chest and then sort of investigating it a little bit further and recognizing that. There was a series of things that I was procrastinating that I was avoiding. And as it relates to avoiding those things, I noticed a little bit higher level of of anxiety in myself because I was procrastinating and and avoiding. And there was this this sense of, of, of almost overwhelm. Um, because there were these things that I wasn't doing. Um, And so I think that, and we can talk about it in in later episodes, but again, that that sort of those patterns of avoidance and procrastination, Mm -hmm. uh, which lead to overwhelm, which again are other reasons and ways in which we um, can contribute to higher levels of anxiety connected to uh, ADHD. So, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, let's hold off on talking about Trauma, Chicken. substance use, <laughs> till later, because I think we had a really good in depth with anxiety and depression. But I think trauma, especially, and substance use both require a lot more than we can give in.
0: Yeah, a few more minutes. Yeah. But you know, I, as you're saying, I think that, that if I could just jump in there, um, and I think I maybe said this in our very early on today in thinking about. There was the, the untreated um, um, ADHD
2: um, mm, yep, yep. And,
0: and untreated ADHD, and and really some of the things that we talked about today, um, and some of what you mentioned, I think, um, is that like you might have the experience where you have the high level of anxiety around a speech, or you have the high levels of anxiety around doing laundry, but yet you don't know um, that. Some of it could be contributed to undiagnosed ADHD, um, and yes. so, and, and we'll talk about that in, in, in subsequent sessions. But that's one of the things that that as, as as we continue to do this work, and not that we're saying that everyone has ADHD. Right. We're not. No. We're not saying that. No. You know, there are people that have. You know. Similar traits and characteristics to that of an adhd or but if we're going to go with, again, what, what um, Russell Barkley said was more some of the, the, the symptoms of ADHD where um, the, I don't love the disorder language, but I'm going to use it because it's familiar. Sure. Where the disorder begins is where impairment begins. Yeah. So a lot of people may have trouble getting started on something, but maybe the adhd has so much trouble getting started on something that they don't. Exactly. And then there's a consequence, and that consequence could be exactly. catastrophic, but etc. So I think in in subsequent visits, um, or subsequent sessions, or podcasts, or however we name this thing, mm-hmm. that we start talking about um, the importance of, of recognizing value, and if you think or suspect that there's some ADHD there, taking the extra step and and Having an assessment and evaluation done, I think there's a lot of life-transforming things that can happen if someone takes that that, that scary step. Yes. And I say scary because sometimes it can be scary be if scary. you're going to go to an evaluation. I don't mean to scare you. Not you, Jackie, but the, the people The listener. The listener. Uh, but so, anyway, I'll shut my mouth.
1: No, I think that makes complete sense. And I think it is um, one thing we also want to address at some point in, in this is the importance of knowing about ADHD, whether it's for Mm -hmm. yourself or somebody else, Mm -hmm. whether you're a professional or just a friend, like knowing about ADHD is so important. You don't have to be an expert, but understanding the absolute basics of it and being able to then work with Clients or patients with ADHD more effectively. Be a better friend. Mm -hmm. Be a better family member to somebody who has ADHD because you now understand and you're not automatically jumping to, well, they don't care about me. They're lazy. They think this is stupid. Whatever assumptions they're making, if we can can have more information, Mm -hmm. we can Mm -hmm. do a lot with that. And so, you know, that's a big part of why we're doing this is we Mm -hmm. just want to have give people information but
0: yeah yeah
1: um yeah
0: so do we want to do you want to sing us on out of this or how how should we close always. today yeah um, always sing us out
1: sing us out okay. Okay. absolutely not okay um right.
0: i thought you were looking at me to sing us out because i'm not the singer,
1: <laughs> it's you. Uh, I'm
0: the singer in...
1: not today okay All maybe right. maybe All right. Okay. Well, thanks for listening.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening to us. And um, if there's anything that you'd like us to address uh, in these podcasts, please don't hesitate to let us know.
1: Mm -hmm. Reach out. Let us know. ADHDAvenue.com.
0: That's us. Let us know. Thank you. All right.
1: Thanks.